Hey, I'm Danique Lee, and this is Outgrowing the Truth. I talk about my experience growing up in a secretive Christian sect called The Truth. I get into some quirks of this fringe religion and explore how it shaped me for better or for worse. So what even is the truth? Now that's a long story, and it depends on who you ask. According to my parents, it is the original gospel of the New Testament started by Jesus leading in an unbroken chain to present day. It is the one true way, the only path to salvation, with all others, yes, even the Pope, especially the Pope, doomed to hell. Most members believe this too, and most have no idea that the group was actually started by a 19th century Irish guy who was trying to create a spin-off of the Christian church. Bring up this information with a truth member and you'll be met with an awkward silence and likely an abrupt change of subject. Their truth has no written doctrine, so you won't find any books or pamphlets on what they believe. They claim their only rulebook is the Bible. This doesn't mean that there aren't strict unspoken rules to follow. Some of these rules vary by location, but for the most part, no TV, no movies, that means going to the movies or watching them, no music, unless you're playing a hymn on the piano, no dancing. Modesty is the name of the game here, so no makeup, no jewelry, no trendy hairstyles for women. Don't even think about coloring it, cutting it, or doing anything with it really, besides pinning it up in a bun on the top of your head to look like a Victorian housewife. Oh, and no long hair for men. In my house, all of these applied. I was always envious when kids from other truth homes had TVs plainly displayed or when I saw the girls wearing pants. I was quick to point out these inconsistencies as a kid, but my mom's response would always be, that's not for us, with a faraway look in her eyes. There's no official census, but according to a website called Telling the Truth, created by an ex-member Sherry Crop, there might be up to 250,000 members worldwide. Keeping all of these members in line, we have the workers, who are kind of the backbone of this whole thing. They're itinerant ministers with few possessions who go out into the field two by two to run gospel meetings and win new members. They rotate between any number of friends' homes in their assigned area, and we'd entertain many of them throughout the course of my childhood. As of 1991, there were 1,250 pairs of workers, and because transparent record-keeping is lacking, who knows whether that number has increased or dwindled. Because the truth is an exclusionary sect, they don't accept any other forms of Christianity. So reading mainstream Christian books or literature, or even having a cross in your home is a big no-no. The truth shuns the usual hallmarks of the Christian church, like church buildings, and you won't even hear the word church very often. It was almost like a dirty word in our house. It wasn't explicitly stated, but I knew not to use that word in connection with our group. Instead of attending church, we would attend meetings, which were a group of about 10 regulars who met weekly in our living room. Larger gatherings like gospel meetings were held in rented halls or even schools, while conventions were held on sprawling farms that were owned by members. 
Some would even go so far as to call this a cult, but honestly, I don't know if it's that serious. It depended on who you were and where you were. If you were a third generation member, for example, with family in the ministry, the social pressures were definitely stronger and the consequences of leaving much worse. And certainly some behaviors like the extreme conformity could be considered culty, but if you didn't like it, you could always leave. I think the few people that ended up in this group that were free thinkers quickly realized that the group wasn't for them and without deep roots, it was easier for them to make a clean break. The friends might gossip about them and choose not to associate as much, but as far as I know, that was the extent of it. But make no mistake, there are countless stories out there of those who have suffered from the emotional abuse and insidious and subtle mind games that come with belonging to a high-control, high-conformity group. Recently, a 60-minute special came out about the rampant child abuse in the Australian meeting, which exposed a decades-long effort to cover up any wrongdoing on the part of the workers. I'm lucky to have never experienced something like that, but I must acknowledge that, unfortunately, several others can't say the same. Now that you have some background on the truth, I want to explain why I'm doing this. When I first uncovered the truth about the truth, it was earth-shattering, and after that initial shock, I figured I would find my bearings and just move on. No need to dwell on the past, right? But I kept noticing that I had certain patterns when interacting with people. I could never really get close to anyone, and I was and still am extremely hard to get to know. I never felt like anyone cared about what I had to say, and at 30 years old, I still don't feel like I truly belong anywhere. I was thriving in other parts of my life, but struggling in my interpersonal relationships. It wasn't until I went to go see a therapist that I noticed the truth kept coming up again and again. I would start talking about something completely unrelated, and suddenly, without meaning to, I'd be talking about some unprocessed junk from childhood. I started to notice there were so many hidden behaviors I had to unlearn, and that I was in the middle of rebuilding my entire worldview. I just want to tell my story with no ill will, with no motive other than to share my experience and hope someone can relate. I know I could have used that when I was growing up just to feel less alone. When you grow up in such a small secretive sect, especially one that is decentralized and has no formal name or operating body, it's hard to find information. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and other highly cohesive groups at least had well-established ex-member groups all over the internet and I sometimes envied that camaraderie. As more people turn to the internet to tell their stories, I've noticed an uptick in ex-truth members on Medium, on Reddit, Facebook, YouTube, etc., which excites me to no end. I can't tell you how excited I was to discover a website called tellingthetruth.info after aimless hours of Googling as a 17-year-old. I just about had a heart attack. I was tingling with excitement at the discovery of something I never thought was possible to find. I couldn't believe there were actual other people out there who were writing about this stuff, and I couldn't believe what I found out about some of the workers, many of whom I had met. I found police reports of crimes that workers had committed, and 
my jaw hit the floor. The truth would have you believe that the way was perfect and that nothing untoward ever happened in its sanctified fold. I know it sounds super stupid, but at 16, I actually believed that truth members were incapable of committing crimes. There goes that subtle programming. You have to understand, there was absolutely nothing published with our name on it, nothing branded. Even the gospel meeting announcements were done with a simple copy paper with no letterhead, only underlined text in Times New Roman. If you happened to find one in the street, you'd have no idea what it was for. But now, thanks to the internet, the mysterious shroud had been lifted and I was never going back. Years later, my aunt, who grew up this way but had since left, passed me a book in college called The Church Without a Name, and I devoured it and continued on my journey of deconstruction. That book was so influential for me, but I had one problem with it, which brings me to my next why. That book was written by a member who had left the group but still believed in the Bible. I could tell you about some of the theological beliefs, but I don't think it's important to my story here. I'm not here to argue theology because what the Bible means or doesn't mean is completely subjective. The idea of a flawed book having supreme authority was never something I accepted. So I never actually made the decision to join the group or profess as they call it. A lot of the books that I saw on this topic were written by people who had professed for many years and then after a period of reckoning decided that the truth wasn't for them and went to follow another Christian path. In my research up to that point, I couldn't find anyone who just became spiritual and saw all other religious traditions as equal as I do. While I was super relieved to see anyone, and I mean anyone at all, writing about the truth I felt left out because I was reading these books and I couldn't relate to the long passages on comparing the truth against scripture because scripture didn't matter so much to me. I don't really have plans to get into the hypocrisy of certain teachings because I know every group has its own and no belief system is based entirely on logic. There isn't a single thing in this universe that is 100% good or bad. We're humans after all, and our shortcomings are going to show up in whatever we do. Out of all the things that could have gone wrong in childhood, I guess this isn't so bad. So, instead of bashing, I'm just here to talk about how growing up in the truth affected me, personally, professionally, spiritually, and otherwise. I'm hoping that if you grew up in this way, or in something similar, it can help you feel less alone. I want to reiterate that I don't want to shame anyone who is in this group because I understand its benefits and honestly, people have the right to do what makes them happy. I'm just here to talk about how it shaped me personally, warts and all. To learn more about my experience growing up in the truth and what it was like to attend meetings, conventions on sprawling farms in central Florida, and some truth lingo, tune in next time.